is Ross Payton with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 86, the No Evil Postmortem. And with me, as always, is Mr. Dob Church. And with a special guest, Caleb. Jesus. I mean, you. Yeah. I haven't brought up the voice in a while, man, but good, good God, you layered it on thick today. Yeah, I, well, it's a special episode, so, you know, of we, want, we so want to talk about it. It was feeling neglected. Yeah, so you keep bringing All it up, right. oh, I wasn't doing the voice, <laughs> well, you stro- and now I do it, and so what do you want from me? No, I'm Ross. only you, flesh and blood. Ross, you've done it, just, I haven't heard it that thick in a long time. All right, jeez. I mean, you gave, I, mean, I understand wanting to come back to it, but you gave it a really good stroke job this time. Oh, jeez. All right, well, being classy here with our PBR. <laughs> All right, uh, in this episode, we're going to be, uh, we have just finished the No Evil uh, Clip Space campaign. Uh, I know a lot of you are fans of it. Uh, even if For you, some reason, yeah. Yeah, and if uh, you aren't a listener of the actual play podcast, it's a Eclipse Space science fiction horror campaign. We just finished it was 27 episodes, 28 sessions, really, because the first episode was two mm-hmm. sessions. And uh, it was over 100 hours of material. I haven't counted up how much the actual running time of the whole thing is. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> and it's a, whole, it's a whole season of a show. It's actually multiple seasons. Yeah. Like, 100 hours would be like... Three or four seasons. It, it, it's a it's a lot, um, but uh, on HBO, we want to talk about like you know we're, we're here with Cable who who ran the campaign. We're going to talk say about hi again. What went right? What went wrong? How the how it uh, came about? <laughs> how it changed during gameplay? How much of it the concept he had it from the very beginning, and how much he came up on the fly, and so on and so forth. So it should be uh, a lot of fun. Uh, first off, we have a little bit of news. Uh, in Base Raiders, uh, we are uh, the 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 draft of the book is. Almost done. Base already having it edited. The layout is progressing nicely. The artwork is coming in. There's only like eight pictures left uh, that, that are I'm waiting on, and uh, I might assign one more picture. And uh, so yeah, we're hopefully going to have a late July, early August release. <laughs> uh, not much else to report. I'm working. How's that writing going, Ross? Uh, I wrote two thousand words yesterday. Actually, twenty three hundred words yesterday. So fun. Yeah. Oh man. Being locked alone in a room. Yeah, right. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Nothing but the bearded dragon looking at you. Yeah. Wondering yeah. what that strange Until talking tree. Well, you wonder what the strange talking tree is doing now. Yeah, basically. And why haven't I fed him pellets yet? Um, <laughs> it's a valid question, Ross. <laughs> so, uh, in other news, uh, in Eclipse Phase news, uh, Eclipse Phase people are running a Kickstarter for their player book, handbook, uh, called Transhuman, which we'll have. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> they, uh, Caleb and I both wrote for it, and uh, it's already met a stretch goal that we're going to get 15% more. So if you're an Eclipse Woo-hoo! Space yeah, yeah. So if you're an Eclipse Space fan, uh, look into the Transhuman book. It will have lots of cool stuff for players, new morphs, new gear, new traits, new character generation cre- uh, rules, which you can see on their uh, Eclipse Space open playtest forums. So people keep complaining about how, oh my god, so how do you make an Eclipse Space character? Yeah, I made mine from ha- by hand. I know. And I didn't bitch. That's true, you didn't. Uh, so, it, but if you if you are one of those people, they're even doing a life path system. So they're getting uh, that's what that's what we need. There we go. <laughs> Cyberpunk twenty twenty. Sky parents, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's an in joke. Listen to Lady Gaga two point zero. Is there any wonder that she actually turned out as sane as she did? <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> no. So there's a lot of stuff, uh, but I will say just like if you want to, if if you're just donating because you're an RPBR fan, you don't need to. We're already getting our bonus. Contribute to the project if you actually want the stuff there. I mean, if you're an Eclipse Space fan, definitely get it. They have a lot of cool rewards. 
Uh, I think the the really cool ones like being an example character have already sold out, but I don't know. They they might be adding more. There's there's a lot of rewards for it. Uh, so take a look at that. And uh, no more space whales is uh, the the pitch of the video. No more space whales. Like in the video, stop this. him before he space whales again. <laughs> so uh, mad space whale on the loose. Um, and also uh, uh, speaking of uh, the fan creation contest ends on May 10th that will be the cutoff date for your creations uh, I'll try and get this some awesome stuff thus far yes we have had videos stories songs art comics it's ridiculous and uh, we'll have a tough time judging we'll give away all the remaining there are like posters, some creative so. people listening to us I know right it's you guys weird are, you guys are awesome you are junk, so um We'll uh, keep that. And finally, uh, for those of you who might be like, oh, no, no more, no evil. Well, you know, we, we do do other games and, you know, we will have other campaigns. Uh, <laughs> our next campaign that will be on the, the AP site will be called Fortunes of War. It's an Iron Heroes campaign uh, set in a vaguely his, vaguely kind of swords. Well, not really magical, but just like Xena and Hercules kind of setting with low magic, you know, uh Ancient China, you know, merch. I poorly uh, created some house rules for businesses and uh, lots of uh, martial fighting, and you know, it, it'll be fun. It's you know, typical stuff. And then after that, Knights Black Agents, which is uh, vampire conspiracy, espionage, horror, and Caleb's a player in that, and he is Woo-hoo. he gets to create death traps on as a player, so it's pretty amazing. Operation yeah. Black Dolphin. <laughs> Operation Black Dolphin. I I've realized. Having played more than one campaign now, that I am a terrible role player. <laughs> oh, Pashaw. Between Double Hamlet and Operation <laughs> Black Dolphin, my go to aesthetic is person who makes elaborate death traps. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Aaron likes being the, the robot paladin, and uh, Tom. I really need to play like a barbarian with an intelligence of one or something. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's not even sentient. Yeah. <laughs> that's an insect. Well, would you have a problem with that, Tom? Of course not. Yeah. But. So, uh, so, yeah, so that's the news. Uh, <laughs> let's get on with the main show. So, no evil. Um, Caleb, why don't we... First. It started with a man and an idea. Yeah, yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> I've ruined everything. You, you have, Tom. Thank you so much. So, um, Caleb, yeah, let, I mean, we... Basically, to go back to the, to the distant era, the distant epoch of 2011 when this started, um, we... Uh, they were dark times, Ross. They were dark times. <laughs> we, I'd run a couple games of Eclipse Phase. Uh, you'd run one game of Eclipse Phase, uh, a one-shot, I think, before asking. Yeah, I ran the Think Before Asking by Andrew Sandberg, so uh, and free I, on the resources. And after it. running those couple one-shots and playing them, I think you, you, you basically you said you, you had enough confidence to try a campaign of it. I mean, that was your thinking, right? Yes, yeah. And so what, what was the genesis of No Evil, I mean, the idea behind it? Well, um, I'd read the campaign books, and well, not the campaign, but the source books, and so I really didn't li- like it. Was just Eclipse Phase, uh, the, the core book, and Sunward. It, yeah, at that point when we started playing, it was just the core book and Sunward. And I think Gate Crashers had come out, but I oh, wasn't yeah. I wasn't using a lot of that material. Yeah, um, it had just came out when we started. Yeah, doing the campaign, um, and my main thing in it was like. I was looking on the forums and I noticed that not a lot of people were running really big campaigns for it. And at first I just assumed that that was because, uh, 
you know, it was like a horror game. So, like, it's the same reason you don't run a lot of long Cthulhu campaigns. is because you don't have characters that last that long. Right. But at the same time, as I'm starting to think about it, like, well, no one can die. And you can get the crazy parts cut out of your brain. <laughs> and so why is no one running, like, really long campaigns? Because I've only seen, like, people, like, really located in single habitats and single polities for, like, three or four sessions. Nobody really system hopped. And then... um I also got to think about it. Well, that the reason you can run a long campaign is also one of the reasons you can't is because when no one can effing die, like what is there to motivate you to do that much system hopping and stuff? So like that was the idea behind the no evil virus. I'm like, what if you could die like for real, get as close to permanent death as possible. And then how would that work? And so I've, I wanted to do kind of a, a, a gate hopping, like, Mask of Nyarlathotep for Eclipse Phase, and so that was the one thing. Have you actually read Ni- Mask of Nyarlathotep? Or? I've read uh, bits of it online. I've not read the whole thing. Okay, but yeah, um, but yeah, the basic structure of uh, oh yeah. By the way, uh, spoiler alerts for this campaign. If you haven't listened to the entire campaign, like don't listen. Yeah, to yeah. This. Why are you? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about that. It seems um, self evident, but okay. my first question is like the plot device, the MacGuffin. You know, is the. Um, I can't remember the name of the canister has uh, or no. Well, the first off, the no evil virus. You knew that was going to be a Titan thing, right? Right off. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, so did you have the idea of it? You know, I mean, in the last episode, we find out where no evil comes from, from that exoplanet where the Titan material doesn't work. I can't remember the name of it. That's yeah. from Gatecrashers. That is from Gatecrashers. Uh, well, your, your, twi- your, your twist on it, though, that Titan stuff just doesn't work on there. That's your, their, your creation, though. Right? Yeah. So uh, was that from the very beginning or was it just that, that was from the very beginning? I had an idea that it was like not man-made, but it was man-programmed. Right. And then I was looking through all the nanotoxin drugs. Yeah. And I'm like, well, a combination of those would really suck. And then I was reading through the GM stuff, and they were talking about you know self-replicating sentient nanosorms that reprogram themselves. I'm like, well, you could really just kill people permanently if you just had nanosorms programming themselves in a specific order. And uh, that's what I did. So like. That's why the elaborate eight-step process of the no evil virus. All right. So. Um, and did you did you have how much of like because again uh, the main motivation like there's one comment on one of the the, the actual play episodes like this is just Manjapa's side quest. This whole thing got started because this is one of his little side quest things. It isn't even his main plan. What it, was that from the very beginning? or Was that later on? Uh, I, I think it was later on. I think there was a larger conspiracy in there. I knew Augustine from the very beginning was going to be a big thing throughout the whole campaign really? um yes because i mean from what i remember we could have just left it there and not had augustine at all yeah but who found it <laughs> aaron yes yeah no i knew augustine was going to be in the entire campaign <laughs> because of aaron because of aaron all right. he was my insurance against that and thank you aaron <laughs> you did not disappoint well played <laughs> all right yeah so that's another thing that, that brings me another, like how much of the campaign did you base on our individual like like character concepts and also you know us as players so you know what well um you know from playing with others i don't know how much of it was just like you know aaron per se or you know aaron's concept well initially like very little of it was that i knew aaron would if there was technology aaron would grab technology (laughs) and start a love affair with it (laughs) and he did and augustine was it and like augustine was the reason for his side quest yeah he had to do it to maintain his cover um, and so I hadn't statted out like entirely what Menjapa was going to do, 
But uh, we should post the Prezi along with this. Yeah. So you can see that the Prezi's organized in tiers, and then there's little black boxes that carry it to the tier. Yeah. And so the basic idea is that when you're in, in orbit, it's nonlinear. You can attack things in every order. And there was kind of a thematic unity between that. But in order to keep things manageable, it was it was pretty much a choke point to get from one tier to the other. Um, so uh, dealing with Claudia to get the thought information was the choke point to get from Venus to Luna. And then the bank heist was the choke point from Luna to, to Earth. Sword. But I we threw the scum sworn in there because I was writing a lot and I needed some yeah. time. And then um, that turned into a whole thing. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then the and then the reintegration was the choke point from Earth to Mars. Right. So um yeah, that was the basic idea. And I only wrote Venus Swarm. Like I hadn't I didn't stat out anything in Luna until you were close to done with Venus Swarm. Right. And that's when I started integrating more people's side stories. Okay. Because I, I couldn't do everything except for Aaron because like Tom was playing against type. Like, I mean, he was an animal, but yeah. he was also not covered in guns. <laughs> He, well, he, was, he was covered in swords. He was covered in swords, but he was like more prone to wear a top hat and go gambling yeah. than to kill people with swords. And that was like against type. And then I had never run a game for Thad before. Yeah. And then, then except for uh, the Dirty World game, and I, I couldn't predict where he was going to go. And I didn't know what you were going to do as a player. So yeah. Venus, I was getting to know the system still and getting to know the characters and all that kind of stuff. So but yeah, Tom, um, I mean, for you, like. We did. We like another thing is you know just yeah, getting to know the characters, getting to know the system. I mean, what were your thoughts initially when you started playing the the, the campaign? I mean, like, uh, did you think? I mean, what were your, like compared with what you know now? Like, what did what was the major revelation of this? Or you know, you know what I mean? Honestly, uh, honestly, I wasn't really thinking that far ahead when the campaign started. Oh yeah, I was still trying to wrap my brain around like this fucking evil virus. I thought it was gonna be. It was just just going to be tracking down who would create such a horrible thing, and of course, that we did. But that turned out to be a, such a tiny part of it. And like playing my, you know, Preston, I yeah, I was totally. I decided to totally try something different. Yeah. So I was actually I was still kind of exploring how I would fucking do that because you know as I discovered like oh yeah in our group we don't just roll we actually when we're doing persuasion or. Deception. We actually kind of talk it out. Like, oh, I got to do that now. So I was kind of, I was more worried about like, oh, like what the fuck have I gotten? So myself? you're focused on, you know, your new character. Yeah, concept. yeah, and that, that of course, like this. Okay, like how am I going to use? It started. Out, how am I going to use this character to track down a horrible Titan virus? I mean, for me, that actually, I, I kind of a similar uh, uh, preoccupation for my for Bartleby. For me, w- was trying to run a mentally ill character, you know, a mentally unstable character. And, not, without, and also not make him, like, the a, goofy and Well, not a fish mouth, yeah. which is, like, again, the, the fish mouth uh, comes from the world of darkness. The Malkavian vampires who... There's a picture of one kissing a fish in one of the World of Darkness mm-hmm. uh, books. And so people use that as a term to describe people who use insanity to go, like, oh, I'm Mr. Goofy. Hey. I belong in Animaniacs. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. like... Uh, like so proper, I wanted to make like Bartleby proper, legitimately, crazy. yeah, li- like crazy, but not, but functional, but crazy, but functional without, with, you know, and that was a real challenge for me, at least from my point of view. Um, mm. so and actually, I'm not much of a talker normally. Yeah. So I, yeah, as me, like I've got to yeah, be you a play the strong, silent, like, but I'm, this time I had to be the gregarious talker and ended up having a lot of fun doing it. No, once I got my, once I kind of 
got off and running. Well, I think the radio host or the media, the show host thing really helped for you. Yeah, it's and the, when I thought so of the, the show idea, the yeah. name idea, like, oh my god, that's too perfect. <laughs> yeah. And also, I thought, holy shit, that gives us our cover. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, so Venus here was kind of just sort of learning the system and learning, getting getting the used to the ropes of everything. So. Yeah, and and thematically, I, I I have X threats of a feather flocked together. So like. You you had all the different plot hooks based yeah. off of thought, and that was first. But then you could go anything anything you wanted non linearly, and a lot of them were red herrings. And it was weird because the group went for nothing but the red herrings. And I had <laughs> I had ways they were connected to thought that could eventually be like traced back. But the black could, market accounts. like my the, the game the I wrote accounts. for Pavardi is you meet Manjapa. Oh my god! And you don't know it's him until he's gone, and then like you have a face and a voice you can connect to it. But you never pursued that one, and you guys we didn't have time. We, I know, yeah. You guys went straight to synergy, and you went straight to cloud nine, and I'll get. So I just thought that was great. We're go getters. Yeah. yeah um, so yeah, that was the idea. Is like everything can be traced back to what you need eventually, but like not everything is. Relevant. That's amazing. Were there any other missed opportunities like that? Like, um, I, I can't imagine how different this can be if we actually had a name and a face to place for like Manjapa. Because like, I probably would have been like Manjapa, or that yeah. could have been my uh, white whale. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was the goal of the yeah. Pavardi one. But like, you guys had gone through such craziness, yeah. and uh, so there was that. And I, I kind of like that, so I used that same aesthetic like no. to build the next one where you had to get everything but the order you got it in affected it so um the order wasn't so important in venus but you could skip parts in venus and yeah. luna you had to do everything but the order altered what was going to happen next right uh so that that was the basic idea there okay um yeah oh the clanking masses <laughs> yeah uh so yeah luna started getting a little more uh intense i mean uh you you we uh yeah because you, you I know you mentioned um at some point that there were timetables for the events in Luna like if we didn't deal with something at certain times this would happen like the riot would have been um on Nectar would have oh they would have been attacked by the exurgents if we hadn't dealt with them right or something uh, Rado would have been attacked by the Rado yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Arado being attacked by exurgents was my way to delay the heist. Yeah. Um, if you hadn't gone to Nectar first. Or you hadn't gone to Mitre first. Right. Like, so that it still kind of went off at the same time, relatively, but like it did change the events around it. But the way you guys, you stumbled right into the X threat that yeah. Manjapa didn't know about. Yeah. Right out of the gate with half the players there. <laughs> and uh, so you prevented all that from happening. So, uh, yeah, Luna worked out. You guys hit stuff in the right order and you did pretty well. And then there were sometimes there were timetables within the game. Like, right. Like, um, the heist would have been easier to pull off if you'd done it during fall day. Yeah. And, uh... Oh, we missed that. And then there was the nectar, like, if you, you know, could have prevented it entirely or you could have gotten there after the fact, uh, in terms of the riot and revolution stuff, so... Right. I gotcha. Um, so... I mean, how much of this did like once you once you wrote something down, like did it change overall, or did like did you ever have to revise material based on player choices? I mean, obviously some material went unused because of Manjapa and stuff like that, but like was that that was that common or? Well, what I would do is that I, I'd plan everything out with the Prezi, and then you can look on there like there's a circle for each big adventure, yeah, and then there's um, three or four things to remind me of what I wanted to say in there, and then there's a plot point that leads to every other plot point. 
yeah. like for every other adventure. So I know like what clues I need to drop according to the lines hooked to it and what I need to mention in the basic scenario in there. And I would not write an actual scenario until the previous week was done. So that helped a lot. Like, so you knew that. So we, I didn't write like we we're already in motion. So yeah, just, I didn't write like 150 pages, and that's why I made you guys tell me where are you going next because yeah. you're not going to change it because yeah. I'm not going to write all of it. <laughs> where are you going next? And you're going there next. Uh, so yeah, I'm not like psychic. No, I do that as well. I think all of us do that because I remember I was just listening to the beginning of the the latest new Arcadia episode. It's like you guys are going to deal with the collective this episode because that's what you told me last week, and that's what we're going to do. So that's exact same kind of logic. I mean, Tom, do you do that kind of thing too? Or do you, yeah. Um, well, Luna, I, I have a question for you guys. Like, Luna is where I really got into my mind. That, like, you guys were all playing against type yeah. for the most part. I mean, Thad was playing a, a different gender, and you had begun playing a different gender, or at least a different morph. Yeah. And we're playing crazy. Yeah. And then uh, Preston was playing more. Like, the first Luna game was hilarious. Like, <laughs> when you met the. XP soap opera star oh, and yeah, guest yeah. star in the show, like, and then um, Gerard was not against tight for Jason, but he was evolving away from you know I don't take my armor off, yeah, uh, and he was becoming you know like that, and then we were adding uh, Drew to the group, and then Aaron gave me permission to write a little bit of backstory for him, and so like share where Cyrock, yeah, I yeah, thought that I worked that, out yeah. really well on Miter. And so, like, what were you guys thinking at that point of the game here? Because that's when I was realizing that I needed to do more with yeah. side plots and, and subplots for characters, and I needed to, like, not focus on the conspiracy as much. Right. Well, I'll say what I learned. Well, the first thing I did is, wow, social characters can really fuck things up or, or enhance things. And it, <clears throat> that was before I, I was really taking any points in guns. So yeah. in any fight, I had to get up close. Yeah. So I was kind of like, holy crap, I can do, I actually can do some shit with this. So that, it was really only Luna that I really kind of, yeah, yeah, he, I can see why he's on this team. Before, I, there wasn't, before I was kind of going, God, why would he have, why would he be on this firewall team? Son of a yeah. bitch. He's, he's a talker and a liar. Yeah. And a gambler. <laughs> Who would need that in a secret conspiracy? <laughs> uh, covertly investigating existential threats to trans humanity. Um, yeah. Uh, but I mean, for me, uh, one, I was like, I was kind of preoccupied with my side quest because I, 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 I purposely set it up so that I wouldn't know what the truth of the Red Queen was. So I was always like, uh, is he is Caleb going to drop it? Is he going to drop it out? Is this going to happen? So there was that, you know, was that, that kind of anticipation. Uh, I think another thing, for again, for me, was just trying to role play crazy without making it overpowering or distracting, distracting mm-hmm. or comedic. You know, I wanted him to be like – He's obviously a very damaged individual, and you know he he doesn't understand. He's still he's seven years old, like he's basically still alert growing up, and like but he's incredibly effective at doing these these things that Firewall needs, and so it's a very dysfunctional kind of relationship between him and Firewall, you know, and they're they're kind of codependent on each other. Yeah, you're we we need you. We we yeah. Oh God, you're terrified, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so I was trying to get that across without. 
Yeah, for me, that was the challenge: is trying to get that get that kind of. Yeah, I also think it was. Yeah, I think it was Luna also, but I think the team was really starting to gel together. Yeah, I think because like we were, like we we finally got used to everything. Yeah, because the, the system like mm-hmm. learning what gear and what kind of actions are important in combat uh, is really important. You know, like call shots to armor defeat. You know, and uh, speed boosters and that kind of thing. Murder is fun, so the drug kids, not not the actual act. Although put points in willpower. <laughs> Yeah, put, it is not oh a dumb stat. We that is the biggest lesson I think. For <laughs> yeah, that. holy shit! Because we told because Drew was like, I made the guy you got. I made my character like you guys wanted. Good, good at science and good at combat. I'm like, oh well, yeah. What'd you, what'd you put we in? Didn't, we didn't mention that willpower was important. We kind of fucked that up. We could have told Drew, make sure you have a good willpower stat. But no, we didn't because so he 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 had to dump that shit somewhere so that was the willpower because uh, yeah that was that really crippled uh, Drew and Aaron yeah several times uh, over and over again well like something I should have known the GM is emphasize that more but yeah. I should have known the system better um, but here's here's the thing that makes me a bad GM sometimes like I know it probably wasn't fun for them yeah, I think story wise, it was great. Like, oh, yeah. your team had casualties. Like, it yeah. wasn't just like, oh, we died again. Let's go get Munja. Like, someone yeah. literally went away. Is not coming back. Like, Cyrock yeah. is mentally broken a hundred times over. Like, you know, I, I think it worked out in terms of the narrative. I feel yeah. really bad if some people were too busy yeah. going insane than playing. Uh, but, but yeah, I think because the thing is. Um, the thing in de- in close way is also just learning that death spiral. If you if you're not if you're getting hit on a weak area over and over again, then either wounds or trauma, and then you you just shut down so quickly. Yeah. Because if you have ten willpower, you you're making a thirty percent check to avoid taking stress, and then you know you only can take what like five or six stress before you take a trauma. So, oh yeah, I think it's I think it's four. Yeah. So I think your TT is four when yeah. you have that. Yeah. So it's a very very low threshold. So what happens is you fail that first one. Now you're at twenty percent, and then you're at ten percent, then you're zero percent after <laughs> you know you're you're just shut down. So I mean, uh, there's and we didn't have and the thing is we didn't have time to heal up in between encounters we were really on the clock yeah you know so uh that's why aaron reset himself you know like having to restore from a blank a normal but i thought that was like a great it was a great moment but yeah i mean you're right because it it was it was hitting him yeah and like my character was i think i took one trauma the entire campaign yeah you get freaked out when you did async stuff and i didn't have yeah well i had more async stuff but you took care of it in a different way so yeah yeah um, um, but I had maxed out my willpower yeah. because I needed that for my async abilities. But I, that's how I learned from it. And then also in Luna, I learned to be less railroady. I felt like I was really concerned with telling a good story. Yeah. And so like in between like the pre-divine, would you like a green explosion, blue explosion, or red explosion points <laughs> in the game? Uh, which I knew I was doing, but I I wanted to make sure the narrative made sense and didn't go into like Gonzo territory. Right. Uh, I was realizing like how much at, at that point you guys were contributing to the campaign. So like release the Kraken was fucking brilliant. Like I don't know how we would I I don't know how I would have logically explained you guys jumping around the system with that crazy anarchist <laughs> ragtag group of backgrounds without that show as cover. And I realized, like, if I ever write this campaign up, I need to, like, do uh, three or four pages of just, like, covers for your group so you could get into various places because that worked really well. And then um, 
the Red Queen, I thought it was really interesting. Like, no matter how many times I ask you, like, is it real? Yeah. Did he, does he actually have a sister? You're like, oh. <laughs> uh. And then I'm like, so I thought that really added to the narrative and kept it fun. So um, I learned to, like, let go of the reins a little bit. Yeah. By the time Luna had ended. And I think that was a good lesson yeah. for my first campaign. Yeah. Red, uh, release the Kraken was uh, just a yeah. lot of fun for us, too. Oh, so. my God. Yeah. Uh, um, because I think I mean well the main thing about the 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 Aaron getting and Drew getting nailed so far is because we would face several similar challenges right in a row like several sand or stress hitting events like Titan 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 you know just all in one go and so there was no respite from that and so I think that was what hit them because they were so weakened in that one area if there was more variety I think they would have been fine if it was like that you know one sand blasting event then a combat or something or a hacking thing or something that they could have like not have to worry about rolling to 20% but we we often don't have the choice do we I think another thing is we didn't have uh, we weren't using the moxie rules as much like to regain moxie for drives yeah so I mean because moxie would have helped a lot for those sand tests um well, I, in retrospect, like I think a lot. It's my first campaign. I think yeah. a lot of the success, in no evil, is pure blind ass luck. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't. There's think a I'm, lot of serendipity. Yeah. I don't think I'm the worst GM in the world. No, no, no. But no. at the same time, a lot of it could have gone way dark. With, yeah. If with you know, it wouldn't have worked in high school. No. Like role playing group, uh, but. I, so I like I, like I agree with you, but but I like the way it worked out because like, no, I think was, it was really. Good. I think where some conspiracies lack is that you just take your fucking time in unraveling conspiracy. Like I yeah. feel like when some conspiracy games just like, well, let me do research for three years and then yeah. we'll actually get a gun and go fight some cultists. Like <laughs> I, I like the fact that he's like, holy crap, what is it? Holy crap, what? Is it? And you just have to like, right? All right, half the team's dead. Fayed's bleeding out, <laughs> and I just erased your mind. I have to convince this crazy Jamaican drug lord to let me into a habitat of robots so we can, <laughs> like, patch our wounds and not... I thought it was, like... I thought it pertained no, no, more it, of a sense I'm of not ta- I'm not exactly complaining. I'm just... Um, I think... Yeah, I mean, every campaign can go better, but it could have gone a lot worse. Yeah, because so. I've been watching, yeah. like, Fringe and stuff lately because it's free yeah. on Netflix now, mm-hmm. and it's n- not very well written. And <laughs> one thing I notice in there is that, like, every episode, they create just some arbitrary fucking rule that make them have to be rushed. Like, yeah. like the oversight guy be like, I don't buy it. You're, you're a loose cannon, Dunham. You've got 24 hours to solve this federal murder case. I'm like... <laughs> When in the existence of law has there been an arbitrary day-long limit on when you could solve a murder case? And it will, but it does add. Haven't sus- you watched for, first forty-eight? Yeah, it, it does. It does make uh, like an aspect of suspense that is not there in the game otherwise. Yeah. Um, no, I mean there, 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 there's a balancing factor, and it, it is kind of there. You shorten the time, you create tension, and there is the, those incredible moments. Like, yeah, there are there were a lot of oh shit moments, but there were like it, it, it is kind of um, how fine of a line you want to go before you you fall. You know, uh, how many balls do you want to juggle before you fall over the void or something like that? Uh-huh. You know, you're on a tightrope. Yeah, that's it. You're on a tightrope. You're juggling all these plots, and then. It's great if you can pull it off, but there's always a chance. You and know. also, I even find myself overwhelmed a few times. But then I thought, yeah. actually, that makes sense. Mike Preston would be overwhelmed at this. Point. Like what? When were you? Uh, I, do you d- yeah, I would juggle, as you said, juggling all these all these plot points and shit. I have to remember. I'm like, no, if I was this, if I was this octopus, I'd be trying to juggle all this shit. Yeah. Um, and it made so it, it kind of it made sense. And also, dude, the fucking panda. <laughs> 
the fucking panda was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fuck. I did plan the panda from the moment <laughs> I read the Eclipse Facebook. I will say that while I did not write the Luna on the Prezi at all, yeah. I knew somewhere there was a gigantic panda crime boss. <laughs> and that I planned that from day. In fact, it might be on the recording thing for asking where I say there has to be a panda crime boss. Like, I think I know you. I'm pretty it, sure you mentioned it. I mentioned it, it very early. I'm sure. And the pretzel sticks, too. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, I hope those nerds at home, they enjoyed that little uh, bit of uh, uh, Foley effects there. Talk about immersion. Because uh, that's the real like, going the extra mile. So, um, you know, yeah, so we go through Luna, then the bank heist, I think, it deserves a whole thing. Because so, I know that was a huge thing for us. We had a whole session planning it and then pulling it off. Actually, yeah, I think we put both episodes on the same thing. So there's 29 episodes. Yeah, uh, 29 something like sessions, that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, there was a lot of time when the planning thing where we had the recorder off, like, yeah, and there was a whiteboard and it got crazy, yeah. So, I mean, how much did you create that from whole cloth? How much of that was from actual historical bank high or real bank highs? And you know, like, where did that that those security systems come from and the uh, the, the the plan? Well, that was from whole cloth, yeah. Um, which pissed me off like two weeks later when Panopticon came out. Oh, yeah. God damn it. That would have been useful. I wrote so much stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was like there are some like algorithmic security programs, and that was like the main oversight computer thing. And right. Man traps are things that like res- present day bank. So it's basically just like high securities. The main thing is, it was like, what does he need to steal in a post scarcity? Right. Economy and so I was. Oh yeah, when did the cylinder come in? Like, when did you come up with the idea with that? Uh, around Luna. Uh, by the time I had Luna set it out, I knew what he was trying. So why to do. is we're entering? Yeah, you I knew it. what he was trying to do, and I knew it was in the cylinder by the time you stole it. Okay, so you had the whole plot structure pretty yeah. early, but not from day one. Yeah, and then um, I wanted to know before you guys what you're going to do with the haunted stars because you could have like tried to infiltrate the haunted stars. Yeah, or you could have tried to hit them mid bake robbery or afterwards. And just take it from them after they'd stolen it. But um, when you guys took the, like, yeah, let Protsy clean, murder them all. Yeah. And we'll do it option. I'm just like, all right, well, I, I kind of wanted to try it out and see how a heist game would work. <laughs> and so we, I made heist mechanics. And I'm really glad that worked out. So Yeah. Uh, Tom, I mean, yeah, the planning. I, can't, I mean, you probably remember. I don't know. Uh, I, remember, I remember a lot of it. Uh, yeah. I just remember it was pretty much... Uh, it was, we we divided up into you know covering our ass, getting through security, and staying alive. I yeah, I mean, was that fun for you? I mean, I, I had fun doing. It. I like planning games. I did. Like, yeah, no, it was no, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Okay, especially to uh, like, oh man, there's so many things I would have done, but my character could not do. Oh yeah, like what? Yeah, you know, like, you know, because I've watched a lot of freaking heist movies. <laughs> yeah. So, but also I had to go, like, I'm also playing an octopus uplift who runs a, uh, an XP cast. Yeah. So there's just a lot of stuff I can't do, I wouldn't be able to do. Right. And also the, yeah, but it was one of those things I had to, like, also, like, oh, God, like, I have to really make a good deception roll here. <laughs> and I also have to, but, uh, you know, I've, I always believe that even if you're not good at that kind of stuff in real life, you, you can't just roll out, okay, do I convince him? Yeah, yeah, I know. You got to have something behind it. No, there there has to be a central like logic to it. Mm-hmm. There has to be like a premise, 
You know, like, why would he do this for me? You know, why? What is? Well, the, it doesn't matter. The dice say he does. Yeah, but what is he agreeing to? Like, <laughs> he's agreeing to whatever I want. I Shut made. Up. I made a persuasion check. Damn it! Yeah, push button, win game. Uh, not, <laughs> not quite like that. Um, did the heist go off? I mean, like, I know we all had a lot of fun playing the game, but like. Did you? Did it go pretty much as you expected? Or well, like any... I wrote it all out and I was looking at it and I was just like, man, it's going to be fucking impossible to figure this out. Like, yeah. there's going to be way too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Like, <laughs> how do I make this like comprehensible? Because I know how like I might do it with the characters, but I don't want to like tell people how to do it because that wouldn't be fun. So that's when I I planned out the heist for the haunted stars to show you guys. Yeah, and I think that helped because like having a blueprint really you helped. incorporated like aspects of their plan that you could, but then like you're not all async monsters, yeah. so you can't. Do, we don't have unique super. Yeah, yeah. Powers. So. Um, I think that helped, but um, yeah, th- I thought that was great. I thought everybody did stuff that was vital to it. Yeah, I thought everybody contributed in a cool way. I thought Fayin's plot line was <laughs> well inserted that in was there. Pretty awesome, yeah. And then um, I mean, I was like, Max Jax kept you f- made it just completely with the brilliant like refab the wall oh, yeah. where we blew it out, and then Preston was doing security. Aaron sacrificed himself again. <laughs> uh, you were the guy in the vault. I thought everybody had a really great role in it. I, I, that's what I, what I heard, like, you know, there's a school group outside. Like, are the, like is the shuttle of nuns going to show up in soon? <laughs> I couldn't resist. I know yeah. it doesn't make any sense within the setting to have, like, children walking around. But in I just thought it was group, too, yeah. I thought it was too perfect. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. I had to make it like heat. Yeah, get to oh, the van. I see, get I see. to the van. <laughs> see, I mean, for me, the thing is, um, the the major leap uh, for planning a, a bank heist in like Eclipse Face is just the the sheer difference in the setting between the real life. Like, if we were playing a mod, a Call of Cthulhu game where we had to rob a bank, you know, there's Necronomicons in the safety deposit box. We have to go get it. Um, yeah, then we could do that. We wouldn't need any help from the GM because we like, all right. Well, that, yeah, we'll either like, okay, we can either do the go in at night, yeah. and, you know, the rappel down from the ceiling, or we can do the you know, get hockey masks on and go right. in in the day. And- yeah, exactly. Play heat. Heat, yeah. heat, you know. But in the clip space, who the fuck knows what they could do, you know, and who and so that that was the major. I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. Some so of the, your yeah. your your details yeah. of their plan was were essential yeah, for us just to understand sent, what on, we would be facing. Because you know, Eclipse Face Tech is almost as you wish. Yeah, it's all sufficiently advanced, as they would say. Uh huh. So yeah, um, it's um, there's yeah, there's so much there's so much shit that could be just. Deus yeah. Ex Machina almost. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's why I didn't want you guys to try and pull off the heist unless you'd killed the haunted stars and taken all their intel. Because, like, yeah. when you look at, like, the modern Oceans movies and stuff, like, yeah. that is a heist and eclipse phase. Like, none of that technology shit that they're actually doing exists in the real world. Right. Like, it's a three-way vault with laser trip. You know, it, you need to have that, like, it's the most sufficiently advanced ever made by mankind moment with, like, the holographic screen. Right. The guy saying it can't be done and you, you gotta have that for a heist movie and so like I didn't want to skip over that especially in Eclipse Phase because it's not like there's a guy with a revolver yeah. standing by the door and no. security you know? no I had sentient robot tires with <laughs> Gatling guns hooked to them like yeah. I, it was ridiculous by the way also I another compliment I have to give you the idea of Killy was great Oh well, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. I, I, and Killy, the name is from the manga Blame, uh, the the cyberpunk manga, which you should all read. But yeah, I just love like, a, a mind, a sentient gun. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Um, uh, uh, um, 
Let's see, what was I going to say? Uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah, were there any... Um, I want to ask what your, some of your reactions were to the some of the player stuff. I know you've already mentioned a little bit, like, you knew Cyrock was going to get Augustine. But, like, you, I, I, I just seem to remember, like, you were really, like, holy shit, the wild hunt and, you know, torturing, capturing all the bad guys and making them into my <laughs> death call. Like, you seem to have a pretty big reaction to that. So I was, I was, I did not see that coming. <laughs> uh I loved it though, like yeah. so. Yeah, like that's not something I planned out. But by Luna had gone down, like with Bartleby just permanently killing an innocent guy to put Nisim in his body, yeah, and torturing multiple people. From he did rescue a bunch of others, but yeah. like torturing them into psycho murder cultists, and then uh, you know all sorts of murderous death and people. You know, Feyen, yeah. M- being basically in the middle of a firefight between children and yeah. terrorists and robot drones, I was realizing like you're as bad as the guy you're chasing. Like you are so fucking driven to get what you want yeah. that you are going for. It. And so I that by Luna that thematic, which I think is the general theme of the whole campaign, yeah. it's just like when you think you're right, you do terrible things because right. you think you're right. Uh, and you might not be, uh, and I, that was established itself. So I was surprised, but I, I liked it. Like it wasn't yeah. like derailing the game or anything. Did you? Did you? And like, uh, uh, and for me, from my point of view, I think the thing is, I actually like what happened because I think my character actually had a narrative arc. Uh, by the, did you guess what I was going to do for the epilogue, or did you? Did you know what I was going? Did you? Uh, to not chase after him? Yeah. Uh, I did not. I did not know which way we were going to go. Okay. Because you had your you know fervent fire yeah. wall, but then you got blinded to that multiple times because yeah. you betrayed the organization to chase Manjapa. Uh, you know, you worship it firewall in your own way, not dogmatically. Right. Uh, so yeah, I didn't see where it was going. Um, but that kind of stuff gave me an idea for like Gerard's backstory because like yeah. yet again Jason was like I don't know what happened on Earth I don't know <laughs> and so I'm like all right I got to come up with that too but like the whole idea that like maybe you're not the good guy that gave me the idea that maybe Gerard is a goddamn deserter like maybe he was not the good guy it's maybe he left people to die oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way and fuck you for taking Preston's unfortunate, you know, attraction to human form and tr- and screwing him over with it. Or at least attempting to. Literally. Yeah, literally. Uh, double and thunder. Uh, and also, actually, the, the Preston Project, the Crowley Project. Uh, oh, yeah, those... That, that was the, fucking the the, the, the was, freak show there. So uh, was that that was your creation though, Caleb, or was that Tom's? I can't remember. Well, that was mine. Uh, yeah. Tom was actually uplifted according to his backstory by a different yeah uh, different hypercorp, and so I'm, I just wanted you know okay like he's pretty successful now. He's got a bunch of ratings. They're gonna start trying to knock off like they need a Pepsi version of Coke Preston, <laughs> you know like and I imagine like. Because I at that point Panopticon had, I think no, I hadn't come out yet. But I there was enough stuff about uplifts in the book that I yeah. surmised like, well, that really would suck if you weren't mixed right. And so you know, I came up with the Hall of Horrors. And yeah. what I was surprised is that you didn't just like go ape shit and clever hands and try and like let them all escape. Oh, I, yeah. I was surprised on that. Yeah, why, why, why didn't you uh, free your people there, Tom? Your because brother. well, my I, my I, as I was, I was thinking of Preston, like well, what's going to happen when I turn them loose? Yeah, because uh, yeah, I might I might see some uh, 
lab animals who have been experimented on, you know, suffering. Like, I must free them. I've also seen 28 Days Later, and I know what can happen when that shit... That, when that, you bought into their propaganda, into the human propaganda about the, uh, releasing... Uh, no, I was going to make them pay. You call them lab animals, too. You don't even call them lab uh, sub, uh, testing... Sub, I mean, geez, dumb. You just... One of you can't eat. Well, that that decision yeah. like made me think of like, all right, Preston's got to choose between his fame and the mission. Yeah, and then uh, the increasing mercurial pressure I put on his character as the yeah campaign went on. As Mother like, Octopus said, he's a sellout. Like, yeah. Oh no, no, he's he's Uncle Octopus. You know, <laughs> like uh, that that like if they're that oppressed and you are just so pro-human and you're up there doing basically an animal minstrel show on the XP shows every night. Like, <laughs> I figure like your people would not like that. So that's why I start throwing in people like um, you're Carlos Mencia, except you know for octopuses. Uh, that's why I changed. <laughs> that's that's when I threw I like in. that. That's your motivation for throwing off the corporate. That's when I threw in like Lenore, who's yeah. just like a completely non-verbal uplift, who just thinks about. Was that after Panopticon? Uh, uh no, but like after his choice at Clever Hands, like that's yeah. when I wrote like Lenore, the the completely fanatical mercurial terrorist, and then Mother Octopus was Panopticon. That was on the Scum Swarm, but then, yeah, um, yeah, stuff like that. No, it was like great moments, and I I love Preston's final you know breaking with the corporation. That was fun to me. Yeah, yeah. That would really work. Uh, and speaking of uh, uh, Swarm and incorporating uh, and their the material, like you, I mean, the whole impetus of the the Scumswarm tier was to like, holy shit, I don't want to write so much for the next tier. Uh, let's let let me take a breather and just use this PDF, which just was released. So, I mean, adapt. I mean, like Eclipse Space books are written, you know, from a general point of view. Like here is the overall setting. It's very broadly written, so you can use it any way you want. Or, you know, write any type of adventures, which means you have to do a lot of the work when you're writing adventures. But for Scum Swarm, our stars are our destination, it's much more specific. They have these specific problems, there are these specific people, you know, blah, blah, blah. What was it, what were your experiences like adapting that or incorporating that published material, someone else's work into No Evil? Uh, well, I really liked the way it was written. Yeah. And I thought it was very different from other products that they put out. Yeah, and while I pull like a monster and stuff from um, the pre-published adventures, they're all basically one shots. So it's basically yeah. like I just take out a section that I can use and, and throw it in somewhere. Uh, but for that, I just use the whole thing. I thought it was really great, and I didn't really rewrite anything. But um, it, yeah, it wasn't like I didn't want to write as much. I couldn't because you know work was picking up. It right. was second semester. Uh, I had a lot of stuff to grade. Right. But then even that backfired because the first game I had like four – I think I gave you guys like four pages of emails you got when you got on the yeah. swarm. And those were and, – and, and I wouldn't have done it at all if I didn't feel like the side plots could carry the game for a couple of months. But it totally did. Yeah. And yeah. it carried it longer. <laughs> I learned something about PC logic. They will do all the things. Um, Video games have taught us like we have to if there's if there's a hundred widgets in the game that we have to find to get an achievement and uh, five extra seconds of the ending, yeah. we'll fucking spend all those hours getting those widgets. Yeah, and that was that was my lesson learned. Yeah. Uh, so I learned that very quickly after the first couple of episodes, and that's when I like rewrote all the emails. Yeah. So the way I did it is like I I copy and pasted the emails for each person that would correspond yeah. to a certain side quest because I had them like roughly in my head, but the plan was to like 
going off at the same yeah. time. But everybody was like pulling in different directions, and you were trying to like do you all. were trying to load up on side quests so you could do things in the same order. And you didn't have to backtrack like yeah. you were fucking fallouting it. <laughs> and so I'm like, all these Can things you blame us. All these things are going to happen at once in weird interactions, and I think it could be cool, but I can't keep straight in my head. So I still ended up writing. Uh, 25 pages of so material. It was kind of uh, what they, I guess, it would call feature creep in uh, software development. Yeah, so uh, I ended up writing 25 pages of shit <laughs> for the Scum Swarm and like sub naming sub quests and, you know, all <laughs> the that. The naming quest was really awesome. I yeah, really and so, uh, but you did do fucking all of them. Yeah. So, no and, unused material. And I thought it was good. Like, yeah. I thought it was a reasonable addition to the campaign. Like, if it was a season of a show, that would be an interesting season. Oh, yeah. No. Like, I, and I liked throwing you in more anarchist socialist right. habitats because there's not a lot of that in the inner system. No. And that's really this entire game yeah. has been focused on the inner system because RimWorld wasn't released until basically the campaign was done. So, and, and if you're going to do a hopping campaign, it's really hard to do it in the rim. Like even with resleeving, well, you can't. Like, I think it's, you. I think you could. That's going to be my goal is to do that. But it's going to. It can't be. It has to be a more leisurely pace. Yeah, like, yeah. You can't do like, oh god, we have three months to find the thing. Well, you got the outer solar system. You're not going to. And, and I and I had gotten to where I like the like. Yeah. Frantic chase no, after yeah. Manjapa. So. Yeah. So. Still can't believe you wouldn't let me have happiness with her. <laughs> that you made her out to frame me. You son of a bitch. Uh, uh, I, no love for spies. No love for spies. That's true. Uh, I did worse to Cyrock. Well, you did. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just for the just for the people uh, who know, because some people think that that, that I, I know there's at least one guy. Like, oh, Cyrock got his happy ending. Can you explain the apotheosis ending that Aaron got? Like, so that people know the canical. Uh, uh, okay, I left it blank. So yeah. I don't know what happened. Okay. And unless we return to the characters and I have to decide, are you want to deal with something in the same meta yeah. plot? I don't know what happened. But according to Augustine, she needed part of Aaron at yeah. point of contrast. But that doesn't mean he's Aaron anymore. Like, right. uh, Cyrock got cut up into digital bits and incorporated into Augustine's DNA. Like, he's not a controlling force. He is a advisor. It, he is... Uh, he makes as much decision for Augustine as your fingernail makes decisions for your body. Like <laughs> it's in there, but and it, it's a uh, consideration. But you know she's a fucking seed AI, so she's gotten bigger than that. Who's unrestricted? Yeah. Uh so yeah. But that's jumping way ahead. I, yeah. I was referring to Magda on the subscriber. Oh yeah, about, yeah, yeah. I did way worse to Aaron with Magda. Yeah, that's true. She did get incorporated into a uh, horrible, bloody conspiracy. <laughs> uh, Against her will, due to her interactions with Cyborg, mutually beneficial. Well, and the rest change. of the team, like she was, she did pretty. She handled herself pretty well on that that haunted ship. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mutually, beneficial actually, one thing: data uh, the trial was that also a whole cloth like the bank heist, or was that in the the material? Completely improv. I didn't yeah. expect it to go as bad as it did. Thank you, Drew. And <laughs> was uh, it Drew who screwed up? Uh, yeah, he blew the airlock and went <laughs> flying out into space. As yeah. the fucking ship was like, he's yeah. like, well, that's not how it works. I would be left behind. No, you wouldn't. You're yeah. going at speed of the ship, and yeah. then now you're also going at the speed of the ship and sideways away from. It. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, so and uh, so so it went really bad. He didn't have any in his own power source. Yeah, that's right. And you, I, I and also I, I was surprised because I didn't expect you guys to go after the snuff XP guys as hard as you did. Like considering 
the other atrocities, you're just like, well, violates OPSEC. <laughs> let's keep that horrible monster <laughs> lab open and clever hands. And well, that was Tom saying. I let's erase care. the brain of this innocent ape <laughs> security guard. Uh, like, you just like casual atrocities there. And then you're just like, nope, snuff XP. Kill them all, <laughs> and so like no witnesses. Yeah, every but everybody witnessed it. Like you blew up a ship, and then you come back inside. I'm like, well, I guess everyone would be there with guns. Yeah, and so I, I kind of wrote myself into a corner there. But uh, the, I thought the trial was kind of cool because I realized, wait, they don't have laws; they're anarchists. It's a vote. How would they do this? And so it became, you know, American, for me, for my character, remarkably, it's, on, it's just like, oh god, that's enough XP is too much. Like you know, childhood. So like, <laughs> post traumatic stress. I got to deal with that shit. I'm not going to let that stand. I don't care about hum- you know animals getting tortured, or whatever you know, eh, whatever. But no, you know, because recess. You know, third period. That was that was that was monstrous. Um, so. Yeah, there was a lot of that on the scum. Queequeg, <laughs> who you murdered multiple times but could not remember doing. Well, yeah, <laughs> Queequeg's not innocent though. So <laughs> yeah, he deserved it anyway. Um, yeah, well, well, Preston has his own cologne. Thank you very much. Oh yeah. That oh my god, that's great. That that's from the fan creation contest. Um, so there wasn't much unused material aside from the Manjapa adventure, or were there any other uh, uh, things? So Scumstorm, and then uh, no, you guys did absolutely everything in Scumstorm. All right, and uh, you did the like you did the Easter egg thing, which was the salvaging the ship. Yeah, and that was the factor stuff that got you. Yeah, like if you had not done that, you wouldn't have had any leverage on Ozma. Yeah, you may have gotten a Manjapa, but he would still be out there. Right. So by getting that little bit of intel and analyzing it, we got him. Uh, yeah. So. Get them good. Uh, but by the way, I have to ask: Did you have the, your the Manjapa actually planned out and named at the beginning? When did you yeah get the name for Manjapa? Uh, I actually wrote a dirty world game that I never actually finished because I got too complicated with the mechanics and oh yeah, it just kind of bloated into nonsense. <laughs> I just kind of called it a day. Um, but um, I, I had the name from that because I had an Indian character and I looked up a name and I thought it was good. So yes, very. Now we'll always be forever associated with evil and <laughs> villainy. So sorry, Manjapa's out unless, there. Well, unless we can do a future game where we can both play Hypercorpse and you can play Manjapa. <laughs> there could always be a fork of them that they yeah. missed. Um, so uh, then we get to the Earth tier and sort of the you know the final countdown. Um, I'm not going to sing the song. <laughs> Caleb did. Okay. Were there uh, any other surprises or lear- you know lessons you learned from the the Earth tier uh, design? I mean, by this time you got the flow down. We've like, got my a, God, look, kind of a well look at this machine. blasted wasteland. Oh wait, no, it's just Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Earth tier. That was another thing I planned like way in the beginning. Like if the campaign was successful, I had beginning to and the out. end. Yeah. I really wanted to do a game where you were basically playing against yourself. Yeah. Like, since the fork concept. Uh, so the the idea of like the Tokyo mission not being the mission. Yeah. But the other mission being the mission and then and then using the MacGuffin of Promethean putting it back together and realizing you've been fighting yourself. Uh, I thought that was a cool Yeah, no, I, I, I eclipse phasey concept. So yeah. Uh, that was the main thing I would go to. The main thing about your tier that I was uh, that didn't go as planned is that it was a lot shorter than I intended because uh, there was a China trip. 
Yeah. And so we ran the annual there, and then Thad was going to China. Yeah. So, like, I didn't want to have him miss the campaign end. Yeah. And so, like, there was a whole mission in the Hexagon that was for Gerard's character. Oh, right. That yeah, was supposed you to go down. That, yeah. So uh, I originally didn't have Gardas go to Hotel California. He was originally at the Hexagon. And the mercenaries at Hotel California were your ticket to the Hexagon. So it was going to be a big, like, infiltration mission to get to him for, for uh, Gerard. But that didn't pan out, and I originally had a whole thing um, planned out for um, you guys sending your forks to the IP address you got for Angel Mendelssohn to go after the Red Queen. Oh, that would have been a whole mission. Yeah, yeah, I was going to have a whole mission side plot thing for that, but we were really running out of time. So I had to – Earth tier was condensed as opposed to what I would have liked. But I probably – it's probably good. Blame the writer's strike. If you can cut something, it's probably good if it's cut. But yeah, uh, yeah. Well, was the uh, did you? How much material did you develop for those? Were they just ideas in your head? Or did I you... didn't write a whole bunch. I mean, I know what Angel Mendelssohn was doing, and I know where he was doing it at, and then I knew what you needed to do with the hexagon to get to Gardas. Uh, but yeah, I, I what had... was Angel Mendelssohn doing? I think... uh, my plan was that um, he, the Red Queen, was a program. Yeah, that took uh, the more stable and promising members of the Lost Project out, which is why you were left behind. But your <laughs> sister was taken, um, and then it, Mendelssohn was big into morphs and designing the Futuras. And so the reason he didn't agree with Cognite is that he felt that. Uh, hyper accelerating you in simul space was, you know, being a hyper evolutionary thing for minds. Like the strongest minds were surviving, and that was good, and that was the key to transmuting survival. But we were not doing the same for morphs, so we were not doing the same for you know a accelerated morph culture. So what he was doing is they were all in simul spaces, but the simul space was painstakingly programmed and very limited because it was it was resing every dna cell of the morphs and it was so it was like the jungle it it had just been running since lost had went on at this hyper accelerated scale so that you could evolve the perfect morph and then design it so she had been killing the other members over and over and over and over again morphed in these horrific you know, uber alien killer bodies that Mendelssohn had programmed in there. And then I was going to like invent a morph to have like, you know, like uber morph, you know, like that would have been a hundred years, about a hundred thousand years of evolutionary practice condensed in a simul space and then redesigned. So I'd play that. I think personally like playing that too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we ran out of time. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, like, Whoa, What's this sudden urge to devour people? Okay. So uh, we go through Earth here, and then we have our final confrontation with Manjapa and mm-hmm. the the origami death bot fight, uh, <laughs> which was awesome, by the way. Yeah, uh, I wish it kind of got. I wish it could have gone on longer. There was I don't. I don't know. I, I liked it, but I wish you know. I don't know. I, like I, the, I didn't want the campaign to be yeah. over. I, guess. And I liked the confrontation with Manjapa, and that it it was a guy. Yeah, is basically at the end of it, we're going after. Yeah, another guy. Yeah. We yeah, are. he was just a quartermaster. He yeah. just had access to a bunch of Titan shit. Yeah. And a lot of experience in espionage. So he was a bad man. <laughs> and I learned I was a bad person too. So <laughs> I'm going to do my best. I'm parents. awesome. Preston was awesome though. Um yeah, so for the epilogues, uh yeah, you, know, you mentioned you didn't know what I was gonna do. Um any other surprises or any other uh, uh thoughts well, of us? Um when you're designing those or whatever? 
yeah, I, I just figure like I had to have to. Like I felt yeah. bad doing it because I didn't want to be like, well, your character has to do this. And, yeah. Like if someone had proposed a third option, I, I would have definitely worked with them on there. But like I do feel like because I listened to the end of the New World campaign. Yeah. And I listened to some other AP campaign because I was really worried about the last game. And it does just kind of like, all right, you're done. Yeah. What do you do now? And everybody's just like shell shocked. It has nothing to say. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, maybe I should like limit it. Yeah. It says, you've done some terrible shit to Firewall, and you did not stop when you should have stopped. And so they're probably not going Winners to. Winners don't quit. <laughs> they're probably not going to let you just go willy nilly wherever you want. So, outer system. Uh, you need to go to the outer so, system. So, like, I don't want to take control away completely, but there's two things you can do. Yeah. Like, you can do this or the, you can do this. So uh, I think it worked out, and I think it's the strength of the last game that I did that, that you all did that, and then you had the bar and you had to kind of allude to what you'd chosen, but not. Yeah, give it up, especially if you were like going away with a seed AI or something. Yeah. Um, so I, I I think it gave a nice little actual epilogue to it rather than just like game's over. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm torn. I feel like I railroaded so it, unlike, but at the same time, I think it worked. So basically, unlike Mass Effect Three, you gave us some closure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the thing, that I mean, that's a great work. thing though, is that even even if you're unsatisfied with it, because our characters are all still existing. Well, more or less, not Zyrock, but you know. <laughs> uh, well, again, you left that blank. Well, yet again, like you, if someone plays with Augustine again, they could determine how much of an effect Zyrock has had on yeah its personality. You know, God, yeah, a seed AI with a befuddlement algorithm. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> it defeats the chaos by accident. It defeats the Titans by accident, and then <laughs> blows up half of the remaining trans humanity. So. It's in that totally way. Totally by accident. Kind of, yeah. Cyrus had so much fucking moxie. I imagined him like Jackie Chan in a movie, like <laughs> yeah. fighting and killing everyone and surviving, but like somehow looking to just barely do it every time. Yeah. Like he's, he's just he, holding a ladder. He hits somebody with a around. fish, yeah. <laughs> or he trips and actually punts at somebody because he's drunk. You yeah. know, like I, I love the also like okay, Aaron. The only way to hide your character is to. Make him experience shit that no machine could. <laughs> that was awesome. That was a good subplot. It was literally it was like the 40-year-old version. We're trying to, trying to get him parted yeah. and laid. <laughs> uh, good times. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, personally, yeah, for my character... Uh, well, my point was that all the characters, all the players can come back. Because, more or less. Yeah. There I mean, could certainly be another version of the Cyrock in the Outer Rim or something. Just because they banded on Luna, you know, it doesn't so mean... So, what, what is it? Bartleby's... Bartleby's Jovian, Jovian Republic. Jovian Republic undercover. You're a dead drop. Yeah. Between Asyncs. Yeah. And then um, Preston's with the hidden concern by mm-hmm. now, infiltrating them. Yeah. So. Uh, did David go to the. David took the space habitat. David, yeah, David took, took yeah, the. David's going to go. David's wage a hyper war. elite now. Yeah. yeah hyper elite is going to uh, wage war in the Night Cartel. Or yeah. Uh, no, Nine Lives. Nine Lives, sorry. Yeah. Man, I'd like to pick on Nine Lives. Poor Nine <laughs> Lives. Uh, Gerard. You can't really feel bad. Did Gerard go with. Gerard went to the a Titan where his mentor or his patron was. Oh yeah, so he's doing the and, he's doing the he's, fall. He's going to go get the another sample of that canister and go back to and try it. Oh okay, yeah. That's right. what, I think what Jason indicated what he was going to do, but he was going to take his time in doing it. So yeah, he wasn't going to rush the job. Uh, yeah, he went with his patron. Yeah. Um, and I, by the way, Gerard made one of the more interesting choices in the game, like allowing the canister to be destroyed. Yeah. Uh, well, he didn't really allow, but like not yeah. killing you all as a result of it. Yeah. Like, 
I thought that was really interesting because like he had the whole thing about abandoning his comrades before, yeah, and then he chose not to do it against those completely against his belief system this time. I thought those were like really interesting dramatic choices. Yeah. Uh, who else? Q went there. Fayan is now working for the Panda Crime Boss. Yeah, Fayan's working for. She Panda has the Crime best Boss. ending out of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> she gets to work for the Panda Crime Boss. I mean, what? what that's, yeah. that's so she is part of the CU on Inner Circle yeah. now. Uh, as their uh, appointed firewall advisor. Yeah, Cyrock is apotheosized. Do, like yeah. do you like to be scratched behind the ears? And Maxwell, well, we don't know. They, they, so we probably there's a backup of him probably somewhere in firewall, but he's not going out. Yeah, so. yeah. he's in cold storage because <laughs> uh, that's just how they roll. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I mean, personally, I know Bartleby would probably like. The thing for me, the reason why I chose to say with Fire is because I was literally told by myself that I was going too far and that I was too scared. It's like, holy shit, I need to re- reevaluate my life. If the sister who I've been looking for all these years says I'm too scary. So uh, he would pro- I would imagine him probably spending this time on Jovia curing him. Like, you can actually cure yourself of mental illnesses through psychotherapy. So, like, he could probably deal with his issues for, you know, uh, uh, for a while and, and then, you know, get back into the game. But Yeah, if, yeah. if we play it again, I yeah. would like to encounter all the older characters. Oh, yeah. Uh, but like I I don't I wouldn't like to see people. I mean I guess you could play them again. Yeah, I'd hope they'd like were d- very different as a yeah. result of their experiences. But, oh yeah, I know. But, but uh, I'd, I'd like them like to pop up as proxies or like yeah. news tips and yeah. Uh, I'd I'd kind of like to play um, Simon the scientist again. Yeah, because uh, I kind of <laughs> liked him, uh, the naked scientist. But. See for Preston though, like because he's undercover in a crime syndicate that's going to be a, a new challenge because can't be have the, the media show host personality isn't going to necessarily work it's like you need to go kill that informant before he get, you know tells the, the cops on it but he's an innocent guy well, <laughs> yeah. well let's do something now well, don't kill him yeah augustine can pop up as a mcguffin yeah q could pop up as a mcguffin now that's true he could. he could be yeah. a, he could be a patron now yeah uh he could be a game mechanic for all the uh yeah and then actually pretty much all the pcs now could be patrons yeah hey for all you people out there playing uh Clipspace, <laughs> make one of the firewall <laughs> agents no evil agents your patrons <laughs> yeah why not so uh that would be interesting um so what less so we, we talk kind of touch briefly touched on this but like what kind of lessons have you learned from running this as a campaign um the railroad's not bad but once players know their characters, you got to trust them to take them in the right direction. Yeah. So I think like I think where sandbox games might go wrong is like second game being like, all right, you're in the city. What do you want to do? Yeah. When the person doesn't have a character yet, they have numbers. Yeah. But I think as you go later, and I probably should have done this sooner in my campaign, you can kind of give people more free reign. Yeah. Um, PCs will do every side quest if they can. If if they possibly can. Regardless of how many people it hurts or kills or damages, uh, how many lives they ruin in the process, they will do the motherfucking side quest. Um, annual games are cool. I like doing like side games. Oh yeah, like, the annual game, which I did not get to play in. Yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Well, we I, again because we were running out of time. There was another annual game I got cut out. Oh yeah. I didn't, uh, originally, the ego casting facility. I was going to have it be at a separate location and not on Vonusian, and it was going to be like a firewall-specific facility. But I was going to have you far cast down, back up for the Ozarks mission, and then leave. But then I was going to have it be hit by Manjapa, and that's how he got your backups and sent you to Tokyo. But I was going to have an all-Cyrock team do it. 
<laughs> I was gonna have him do it as like a, he did it as a form of psychological warfare. He just got a bunch of Cyrox and jacked them up with different skill wear, and the whole game was gonna be like, "Hey, you've." You win. You took down the evil facility. <laughs> you see the backups of all these characters you don't know. And, like, it was going to be, like, as you played that later, holy shit, we just... <laughs> Jacked our own We guys. just, yeah, Parkers. stole our own egos and sent them to Earth. Yeah, you could put all kinds of obstacles in front of us, just, like, fractals and all kinds of crazy shit. be like, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll win the middle. Oh, God, why did we... Why, why we did so, we do that? Why, why did we persevere? Also, I wanted, to play, I wanted a game where everyone was playing Aaron's character. Just yeah, Cyrox. Yeah, yeah. Cyrox are pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so yeah, but um, yeah, Tom. Did you learn anything from like running a campaign by what playing the campaign? Does that make sense? Like, I mean, what did you see anything that you want to try in a campaign? Um. Well, obviously, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff I'd like to do, I could probably only do an eclipse phase. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or actually, uh, I could probably do like a Call of Cthulhu game. Just you can some of the technology there. You could pretty much do the same thing with a magical artifact. Well, yeah, Migu alien technology. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's more. Um, I, th- I definitely learned that if you're doing a campaign, especially, you can't just yeah, you can't just sandbox them immediately. Yeah, yeah. To give them a purpose at first, kick in the ass. Yeah. To jump. I mean, eventually, if they're if they're if they're they're a good group, they'll pick it up pretty quick. But. Yeah. I think I mean that's true. I like I mean you're, you, that is really the point that players are just numbers at first. Like even if you write a backstory for them, even if you have all this material for them, you, the, until you play it and actually interact with the other players mm-hmm. and the environment, you know that you don't really know yeah. how it's going like, to go. When, I mean, when we finally became a team, then yeah. you, I could tell. Yeah. Like my my favorite parts of the game were like I didn't dislike running the game. But my favorite yeah. parts of the game is when you guys would just fixate on a certain NPC. Yeah. And I had to come up with something funny to say for it. Yeah. Or like when you would just talk to each other, like when Aaron would turn on Augustine and probably was just like, "I will kill you," <laughs> and, and Gerard's just like loading a plasma rifle, and basically everyone has his gun on Aaron as he's like, "I thought like the except, r- I, yeah. I, except I was cooking steaks or something. yeah, our and Preston was off like being Zoidberg, <laughs> and you know like those are my favorite parts of the game. So like. Uh, yeah, slowing down. I guess that's a lesson in, in yeah. you know, like you don't have to get to the big fight that battle. Maybe you'll do it next week. Let them just like. Well, talk. I mean, the thing is, though, you know, like I think the frantic pace in like every campaign has its own flavor, and I think the frantic pace, no evil, wouldn't be the same if it didn't have that that really speed, you know, like sense of urgency to it. Well, I don't mean like the time limit for things, but like if you. Yeah. If, there could still be the time limit, but like it's not like they can't actually speak to each other. Like, yeah, d- not everything has to be like info dump or this is what's in front of you. Sometimes the players can just like talk to each other. Yeah, and I think anything you can do to encourage that will help That's the true. players. Yeah. I, I think make we, their characters. I think we have the most fun during our downtimes. Well, like New Arcadia, like the I didn't really get fixated on Norm and, and like understand Norm's aesthetic until he moved in. Yeah, with uh, Kyrop and like <laughs> the Kyrop Norm aesthetic, like that totally got me into Norm's head, and then it helped me well, how Norm would deal with like all these crazy situations because he'd rather just be on the couch yeah. watching Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, like yeah, you know. So like that's the thing. Like I think and I, lo- yeah, I love so that. slowing down yeah. in terms of just like yeah, you're right. New Arcadia, you're like two superpowered beings. Just- Want to watch TV or something? Yeah, beer. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah. I, I have to say, one of my favorite moments of the New Arcadia campaign is the planning before the Paragon boss fight at Big Wheel, where Norm is just like freaking out. Oh, sure. Why don't we get these guys? Yeah, that old vampires. That can't go wrong. Come on. Yeah, it's just like. 
throwing things in the background while we're like, yeah, maybe we could get the vampires to fight on our side, you know? <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> like, I love that. Yeah, you're right. And th- those are the kind of bits. But, like, you can't have a campaign of just that because without some sort of conflict or something to balance against that characterization, um, there it's just kind of point – it's kind of, you know, like – It's improv theater. Yeah, yeah. It's well, I agree. But, like, I think I err on the side of – like more conflict, more yeah. info dump, more exposition, which you need to have a plot. Yeah. But I, I think as the campaign went on, or you guys did crazier shit, or you focused on the the crow pilot I put there because nobody had a pilot skill. Everyone <laughs> wants to talk to Vicar. <laughs> Vicar has like fan fiction now. Yeah. He's in other campaigns. Like I, I think like that. You have to let stuff like that happen. And I think that being my first campaign is probably the best lesson I took out. Of yeah. It. Um, yeah, it's it's a fine. It, it, I mean, there's no perfect like thirty percent this, seventy percent that, or yeah. whatever. Uh, but I think that you have to be aware of it. And you have to have that kind of rhythm, you know, of varying it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean that, that that's really good. I mean, Tom. I mean, what about you? When you when you do a campaign, like you you tend to be in more like lots of. Uh, character PC interaction with each other. Like, yeah, that's, you, oh, that's, that's that's really. Bad. I know that's what I'm noticing in the Pathfinder campaign. That's what I, that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's I love coming up. Yeah, like NPCs. I like, just having weird NPCs interact with players. Yeah, is just some of my favorite stuff. Yeah. Um, the goblin that's clearly a piece of beef jerky. Yes, clearly. Uh, that's that's uh, that's a that's a running gag in the Pathfinder campaign is a, a goblin who looks like a piece of beef jerky, which is why the Dryder guy tried to eat him. So that's of course he's on trial now for attempted you know, yeah. murder. So that's uh, I'm gonna have to listen to this campaign now. <laughs> so yeah, there 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 there's um, that kind of balance. I mean, the thing is, like this, I think is about as complex as you can get for a role-playing campaign without it falling apart i mean that i think the thing that i really marvel at and really sort of inspired me for like tribes of tokyo is that you had all these moving parts all this like like manjapa's conspiracy is twofold like one is the shit he does for ozma which is the no evil virus and then two there's the inner conspiracy there were two he's a triple agent yeah yeah basically and that's he works for oversight osma and himself yeah and so there's all these these moving little bits of information you have all these incredible like complicated set piece things like the heist the the trial uh the scum score trial and uh or even the tokyo mission because you had that flow chart for the the whole thing um that but it, and it it stayed together and I thought that was amazing I don't think you could get something even I mean I can't see a campaign more complex than No Evil I mean I could see campaigns as complex as No Evil yeah but I think if you got further they would just dis, it would disintegrate it'd be continual yeah it, well yeah <laughs> uh, continuum being the time travel role playing game which is fucking insane and I would fucking love to run it but. I'm not intelligent enough. Like, I don't. Even, I don't even think it's a bad system. I just legitimately do not think I'm smart enough to write or run it. Um, yeah. That reminds me of a lot of like genre specific stuff I learned. So like when you run conspiracy mystery games, you have to be okay with serving as the external memory of the PCs. Yeah. So like when you take notes, it's really important to take notes on what the PCs have already learned because like a week or two weeks or a month or whatever the hell you get to play again. Yeah. You really cannot blame them for not taking the notes in the middle of a firefight or not remembering after like a month of God knows what was going on in their personal lives. Yeah. So I was very keen to info dump on you like when you got a new clue. I'm like, all yeah. right, you have this new clue and you've also discovered this, 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 and this. 
Right. Uh, so you you have to you can't be afraid to be like the external memory. I think, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I'm doing in the Tribes of Tokyo game, and I think one thing that GM has to do in these kind of mystery games is serve as basically, like, there's there's obviously the player and then the player character. The player character being a badass espionage agent with all kinds of specialized knowledge, and the player being, (laughs) you know, uh, derp derp. So um, the, the player character when given this information would automatically know exactly. infer this kind yeah. of information uh so you kind of have to serve as that role of that expert you know advisors like because you've learned this you know you know that it's either this or this you just have to figure this out and i was really hesitant to do that at first but then i realized well i'm not railroading anybody i'm just like it's a yeah. natural thing i wouldn't remember it either yeah having played in a conspiracy now and I do take copious notes. Yeah. It, it is also helpful, and I don't yeah. feel like I'm going to... Re- and then the second thing for a horror game is that I, I already suspected it when I started the campaign, but, like, having gone through the campaign now and, like, having treated X-Threats and Exurgents as, like, a very rare occasion, which I feel like they should be treated in Eclipse Phase, um, I, I am convinced in the idea that only ideas are scary in role-playing games. Stuff is not scary in role-playing games. Like, it's hard to be scared of a monster no matter how vivid your description is. But when you describe an idea that's pretty creepy or off-putting, you get more, like, effect in your players. Like, so, like, Nine Lives is similar spaces to break people and yeah. uh, Claudia and Akaja Lacuna and, uh, you know... I feel like EP is rife with like terrifying concepts for random people, and while I think you should throw monsters at people, like I think yeah, no I, evil itself is terrifying. Like, yeah, the idea that like you're trapped in a sensory, sensory deprivation yeah. tube, and you can't even if you're an immortal, you can't get out of it. So yeah, uh, or like even Tokyo, like it, Tokyo was fucking terrifying. It was the apocalypse, yeah. but then realizing you did all that, yeah, not for yourself, and you were in a someone else's control like i feel like concepts are way scarier for a bunch of people sitting around a dinner table than like no matter how vividly you're going to be able to describe it as a gm yeah like tom what was your favorite single like scariest creep the moment you were creeped out the most and no evil like off the top of your head Uh, uh well for preston myself it had to be uh these aren't my these aren't my tentacles Oh yeah, yeah, and and that is a like a legitimate mm-hmm. psychological disorder. Like, yeah. I feel like that was scarier than the actual monster. That exactly, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, the monster itself. But like, there is legitimately a disorder where you're like, I have my arm, and it looks like my arm, but that's not my arm, and like, you can't explain why you feel that way, and it's a legitimate like neurological disorder. You believe that parts of your body are other people's parts. Yeah, uh, and I'm like, that'd be a fucked up thing, yeah, especially if you somebody. have eight limbs. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, I mean, for me, like, yeah, the monster itself was like, oh shit, like, I was like, oh god, because break out the guns, yeah, break out the guns. But like, for me, one of the creepiest moments uh, in the campaign was actually, you know, Cyrock asking me to, you know, tur- you know, delete them so they can restore them from a clean backup. I was like, oh god, uh, that just wait a minute, I'm Bartleby. Why is this bothering me? <laughs> this hurts. I don't like this. This is no. It's like, it's like yeah. killing a kitten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I felt really bad about that. And like Bartleby would feel really bad about that cuz it's not supposed to happen like that. People aren't supposed to go crazy like that. But you know, he's just like, oh god, he's so fragile, but he's a computer. So yeah, like Yeah. I mean, that stuff from no no evil informs like the stuff I'm doing for heaven on games and things like that. Like, so like, uh, lover and ice, I definitely wrote before no evil. 
Yeah. And then Bryce and Springs, I wrote before No Evil 2. But everything else is pretty much post No Evil. And like while there's monsters and stuff, like the body horror stuff in Lover in the Ice, which I think is effective and I think it's fun to play. Yeah. Uh, or I wouldn't have written it. Um, I don't think it's nearly as effective as like everyone's a puppet. Yeah. Or um, the Bible is fucking scary. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, that I don't think it's, it's the fucking parrot. All right. It's yeah. The, I, the parrot is the parrot. Exactly. The parrot is a concept. The parrot is an un- inexplicable thing that you're never going to know about. And like just the sheer fact that you don't know about it, even though it's completely unmenacing at all. Yeah. It was the focus of the six-hour game when there were like ra- today, like I think rapey eight monsters yeah. roaming the city, killing people with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Whatever. this parrot? What about this parrot? Like so, like I think. No, that, no. Tell me about that parrot. And, yeah, and I think that just the parrot perfectly sums up. Like yeah. maybe Heaven Eyes Games' new logo is just going to be it's a parrot. Been in there the for how long? And it's fine. Yeah, there's not even poop in it. What is what? If you're no. gonna if you're gonna try to write a scary game, yeah. your idea is going to be scarier than. Any monster you may, or like the time travel thing in Preemptive Revenge, like oh yeah, yeah, it's it knows like you can't kill it as long as it no. Like, I don't know. That was one of the scenes where the conventional horror, like that opening in the schoolyard, was so fucking weird. Well, I'm not saying you can't yeah, yeah. do like physical conventional horror, but I'm just saying like the concept yeah. is always going to be freakier to people at the table at the moment. Yeah. Saying like it has many eyes and tentacles beyond description. Yeah, it's yeah, Eldritch yeah. and way, Squamish and. Adjective. So what is that? Ten points of armor? Five points? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Um, I certainly, yeah, when I do horror games, I think that's kind of like, that's one of the reasons why I'm so, uh, Carcosic kind of games are always appealing to me because they're always about, ha, you're not in reality anymore. You're in the symbolic crazy place. It's, it's an intellectual yeah. horror rather than, you know, a visceral horror. Yeah. I think it's really nigh impossible to get a visceral Discussed horror. Discussed over, yeah, actual yeah. terror. Yeah. Um, I know Stephen King broke up, you know, horror versus terror and, uh, I can't remember which one he classified as which, but it's in Dance Macabre. Anyways, um, yeah, any other any other lessons like team building or you know uh, role playing as groups or anything like that? Just seeing our, our group interact. Uh, no, I I think I've yeah pontificated yeah. and sound enough like a douchebag <laughs> already. He has oh. a pipe right now. You can't see it, but he has a pipe. Um, yeah, so jacket, <laughs> <laughs> yes. mascot, fine leather, leather, chair. leather patches on your jacket. Yeah, yeah. big thick glasses. We're in my study now. Yeah, I demanded they come to me. You got here in your fixie. I patted him down. Yes, with my security. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just uh, and just before anybody asks, we post human studios. Eclipse people know about no evil, and we the, Caleb, you have pitched them the idea. So the there there is they they. Whether Caleb would want to, they are very busy doing yeah. many things that are yeah. worthwhile. Yes, and so they should do those things. Caleb, and I love there them, is and the you, you do want to publish No Evil, but it is who knows it is not up to me. Yeah, exactly. it's not up to you because it is their sandbox, and you have to just to explain the problem with that because everyone says, but it's Creative Commons. Yeah. Well, yes. So let's say it takes it costs me two hundred dollars to do a No Evil book. I'm just yeah. throwing out a random number. It's not true. That's fine. I can do the $200, and as long as I can prove on paper that it costs $200, yes, I could do whatever I want Creative Commons, even though it might piss them off, even though they're nice people, which I wouldn't do in the first place. Right. I wouldn't want to play in their sandbox without their permission. Right. But secondly, let's say you guys are all very nice, and you funded it $205. 
I just made $5 off No Evil. And the thing about Creative Commons is that I cannot use it commercially. Yeah, there are different licenses for Creative Commons, but this particular one is non-commercial. Yeah. That's the key. So I cannot make money selling it. So, like, unless we could say, I know exactly how much this book is going to cost. So Ross, being of Kickstarter, knows that you cannot do that right off. You have to... It has to be in generalities. Like, you don't know. Yeah, one thing I found out, like, between the time I launched the Base Raider Kickstarter and now, like, shipping overseas costs have, like, tripled. Like, what costs 12 bucks to ship costs, like, 30 bucks to ship a book overseas. So that's going to be fun for me for those people. <laughs> are, like, delays yeah. are, like, you see it in layout finally and you realize you need more art. Yeah. Like, all that kind of stuff. You cannot predict down to the letter what it would be. And you also can't say, I don't want your money anymore. You don't get to participate even though there's time left in the Kickstarter. Yeah. So, like, it would be impossible to do to say I made no money on it whatsoever. Yeah. And therefore, it's not really up to Non-commercial is non-commercial. Yeah. So it is. But the, there hopefully will be some resolution at some point in the future. Yeah. But furthermore, they're very nice people. And I wouldn't want to, like, yeah. no, they're, it all on they're their They're awesome people. Yeah. Without permission, I would not do that. I like yeah. the game too much. Yes. It is an awesome game. So, uh, Tom, any final words? Release the Kraken. Release the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we get back. Uh, we went a little long, so we won't have a letter, but we will have shout outs and anecdotes about things and stuff. So we'll be back. So let's do some shout outs. So, uh, ah. yeah, that, 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 yeah, exactly. Um, so first off, I just want to mention a couple games I played recently, um, with, uh, Bill and Aaron who, uh, they just went over Bill, uh, you know, former RPVR player. He's now working, going to school and married and all that. So he's pretty busy. But we got to hang out. We got to, I got to try a couple of new games. One was Space Team, which is for iOS. It's uh, he has a Bill's an the iPad and an iPhone. So like we we all, and Aaron has his own iPhone. So I got to play it. And uh, I don't know if you heard about this. Basically, it's like a cooperative. It's like Spaceship Artemis, but like much more sped up. Like basically, you you're shown this randomly generated control panel for a spaceship and then you're given directions like, Oh, equalize the, the back blast. All right. Uh, push the verberator to five, you know, stuff like that. But the thing is every, not every command will be for your control panel. You have to yell out the commands to your, cause some of them will be for equal, you know, invert the Magnavox, you know, or, but that's on Aaron's screen. And so you, you're yelling commands at each other and like occasionally you get a, your wormhole, you have to, flip the screen over and then or asteroid field you have to shake it so it's like very sped up and uh you you do enough commands you get onto the next wave and then they, it's just how many waves you survive and so it's all the star trek you know techno babble you can imagine all in a very quick app so it's very fun and very uh i wish so, I, so it's randomly generated yeah, it's like yeah. roguelike every time yeah it's control just a control panel. panel yeah every control panel is randomly generated it's kind of badass yeah no it's 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 ridiculous some of the and sometimes the control panels will like break off and you have to fix them like they'll start swinging around on one hinge and you have to pull them back into place or slime will come out of them and it's just it's just silly um 
We also did, uh, let's see here, Elder Sign, which is from Fantasy Flight Games. I played the iPad version of it because you can just play it on the iPad. Uh, but there's also a board game version of it. And basically it's like Arkham Horror but dice rolling instead of, you know, actual movie strategy. So it's kind of sped down, lots of dice rolling. And uh, my hobo uh, won after Aaron and uh, uh, Bill's character died. So I saved the world. So that was that was fun. Uh, and then wait, Aaron died in the game. I know it's weird, right? So first time for everything. <laughs> um, and then finally, uh, Gloom, which is a card game we need to get because um, basically it's like you know Edward Gorey, the the illustrator, right? The black and white kind of Adams family. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. And so you have the, this Edward Gorey looking art, and there's like five, there's like several different Victorian type of families that you choose from. Or like there's a circus, and there's like a mad scientist family. Aaron chose a mad scientist family, uh, and then there's a rich family, then there's a hillbilly family, and basically you, they're each, they're the characters are all identical. You just have five people, and the idea is to heap miseries upon them and then have them die and the person w- and you get negative points for every negative thing that happens to your person and then the the for every person who has negative points and then they die you get you tally them up at the end of the game and that's whoever has a low score wins <laughs> <laughs> and so the thing is the the cards are all clear so you just heap cards on them and then they stack up uh and then you can see them through the overlays it's a very clever design uh, but you can actually do good things to the uh, families of the other players uh, to ver- to make sure that their score raises up. So, uh, <laughs> Aaron, yeah, if Aaron's here, he'd be able to explain the whole story. There's like he had a um, one of his family members, like a teddy bear with a human brain in it, and like it ran for office, became elected, then went to prison, and then uh, died, came back to life, and then went to Australia, had all his slate clean. So. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. So it's a very fun. I would game. read that novel. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very <laughs> fun game. So um, anyway, so I just want to mention all those very quickly. Uh, so Caleb, you you've been reading a YA novel series? Yeah, um, it, the kids are liking it in school. I can get some boys excited about reading. So if you have young adult boys who are reluctant readers, it's cool. It's called Rot and Ruin. Um, it's by Jonathan Mayberry. Uh, he is publishing them at an absurd pace. Yeah, uh, it won the 2012 Gateway Award. Uh, the third book is already out. Uh, I'm in the middle of reading the second one, which is called Dust and Decay. But um, it's kind of a a little, I mean, unique as unique as a zombie book can be. Uh, <laughs> right. Take on it in that the apocalypse has already happened. They call it first night uh, and all this kind of stuff, and that there are all these um, there are all these settlements that are fenced off that have kept the zombies at bay. Uh, it takes place in California. Uh, they have no electricity, and they never have. They think it's uh, that's what brought the devilry down, and that's what invoked God's judgment. So they're very, uh, but I- um, it's it's cool because like society hasn't stopped. Like they still function, and the whole premise is that you know the young orphaned, of course, protagonist uh, reaches. I think it's fifteen. And then he has to get a job or he doesn't get food anymore. Uh, and so the whole thing's about him picking his job. And so, like, they can make cadaverine, whereas they crush corpses into, you know, a vile form that you can wear outside the fence that fools zombies because it makes you smell like a corpse. It's like an oil. So, you're, uh, yeah, you're a corpse grinder 
that makes corpse oil, oh. or you can be a body burner, or you could be a fence guard, or you can be on lookout, or you can farm. Like, and there's like the whole first part of the book is just like zombie economies. Like, and it, I thought it was great. Like, they have zombie cards, like about famous zombies that have been seen in the area, and uh, famous zombie hunters that they sell to kids. And nice. um, that's well, of course. What, that's what erosion artists do. So, like, if you're an artist, you can actually make money still making the zombie cards. And then you're an erosion artist. So, like, people give you pictures of their loved ones, and you try and draw them as they would look as a zombie so that you can put out bounties on them. Oh, wow. So you're, like, a sketch artist, but, like, you want to – like, this is likely what they look like as a rotting corpse. And then um, the main thing is that the guy's brother, the main character's brother, is a closure specialist – and he's a bounty hunter. And so, like, bounty hunters go out and they're out to kill specific zombies because they're hired by families who are tired of Grandpa wandering the earth and eating human flesh. Yeah, of course. They want to stop and put him down. But the the unlike other bounty hunters, like, his brother will not kill a zombie unless he has been specifically ordered to kill that specific zombie. Or uh, it's it's a life-or-death situation. Because um, he... And the whole aesthetic of like the reason they're the heroes is like they still zombies are people like they're monsters but we don't know if they can feel pain or not and they used to be people and they should be respected and so it's kind of interesting dynamic because in the rotten ruin the wasteland around this place uh the bounty hunters like no one leaves except the bounty hunters like everyone hates it out there they just want to forget the old world ever existed and the only people that can really like handle it mentally are psychopaths who are just like, yep, killing people. Yeah. <laughs> everyday thing. And so like that leads to conflict. Or people like this guy's brother who's like a warrior monk, like who will yeah. try and tie the zombie up and take it to a quiet place and then he'll like film himself like killing it in a very quiet manner and put it at rest and he'll bury it. Wow. And like so it's like, you know, he's very warrior monk esque. And so like there's these two types of bounty hunters who like who respect that zombies used to be folks. And are hesitant to do things to them unless they have to, and other guys who like kill them for sport. Uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty interesting dynamic. Not it's not like as well written as like the Hunger Games or something, right? But um, you know, it's it's a cool dynamic. I like it. I like the premise. Um, so uh, we both mentioned a comic that we've been reading. Uh, one just finished. Um, I meant to mention before in the podcast, but it glory. Uh, which is a uh, image comic that was a basically a Rob Liefeld title that has been rejuvenated by actually good writers and artists. <laughs> um, and Glory is this Wonder Woman esque. Uh, originally, it was this Wonder Woman esque kind of superhero, but she's turned into this sort of alien princess who is basically a Hulk esque badass who's immortal and it's about her saga ending you know like sh- what what happens to her her final story and everything and uh, the people around her in her life and it just finished there's only like 12 issues so there's probably gonna be like two trade paperbacks um but it's a really well-written story it has a lot of uh, like what does it mean to be an immortal badass you know what does it mean to be this kind of super warrior who all you can do is kill everything around you you know and like what price does that have on the people who care about you and you care about so uh i like it and it's it's you know you can make good you can make gold out of rob liefeld material who would have thought it who could have imagined this well i'm going to talk about profit yeah and that's why i came so late to the party on that is because you know i was on like uh 
bleeding cool or something and i read like rob liefeld's profit to be and i thought it was like a fucking joke (laughs) i like i was like why are you kidding me why would you but it's it's so insane and it's so good and the art is just bananas and it's just so grim dark and 1970s european sci-fi it's like mobius you know yeah like i don't even know it's like i meat punk Everything is made of meat. Biopunk. Yeah, biopunk. Like, you could call it that. Like, everything is gross and it has excretions, <laughs> and everything is eating everything else, and it's just so insane and original. Like, I, I really like it. So. No, I, I, I've. Uh, have you been reading that, uh, Prophet or Glory? Okay, yeah. And like, I guess the premise is actually from Liefeld. Like, yeah. the, no, way they, humanity, they, the way humanity survives is they take one badass and clone him. Millions of times and just shoot him in every direction to reclaim the Terran Empire. Yeah, like one of them wakes up. Like that's just a fucked up concept. They all the same setup. They all have the same gear, but they all have like they have different mutations or different. Yeah, to survive in different uh, environments environments, and. He's always eating. Like I love that he, he eats everything. I know it's it's just like everything. It's meat punk. I think biopunk is it's all about meat. (laughs) There's no plants. Meat. I'm sure there are. It just they we don't see a lot of if the plants. They're plants made of meat, and they eat other <laughs> things made of meat. Like it's a carnivorous comic book. Yeah, there's so much meat. But it, that's one thing I like is that yeah, oh, I got injured and I'm tired. I need to eat and rest. Like that's <laughs> like you never see that. Like you never see like the heroes like oh god, I've been kicking the Joker's ass for six hours. I need a fucking cheeseburger. Yeah, it is the most food obsessed comic. Yeah. I yeah. believe it's I've a ever foodies seen. action comic. Yeah, yeah. alien foodie comic. Uh, and yeah, and it's just ballers like crazy shit. But like, like it's like saga and like. I don't. I don't think it's like a wave, but there's a lot of like really good books that are just like fuck everything that came before. We're gonna do it a completely yeah. different way. Some comics that you can tell they're just like, hey, you made Wanted into a comic, into a movie. Make this into a movie too. Yeah. No, I'm not saying everything, yeah. but like uh, Brian gave on, and I forget who's doing Profit, and I really want to read Glory because I didn't know they were. Yeah, relaunch. I, I can't wait for the Youngblood relaunch. What are they going to do with that? <laughs> Some things may be on the the reach of Mortal Man to redeem. Some things are just well. I I said that originally, and I was proved wrong. Yeah. So you know. All right. Fair enough. Uh, and then we watched a movie last week that was. Uh, oh, we're going to talk about. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Apple is insane. It's uh, a 1980 sci-fi musical that is now a video on demand on Rift Tracks. We watched a Rift Tracks version of it, by the way. Just so we didn't watch it straight because I don't. It's think- a sci-fi dystopian musical that is a ham-handed biblical allegory, uh, and it is just oh guys, so bananas. <laughs> <laughs> like if there is not a drag club somewhere on the planet called the Apple. With an Apple themed show, I probably want to make one because it will make money. Because yeah. it is just going to the meat packing so over meat the packing, t- yeah, so over the top and just fabulous <laughs> in every scene. That is just oh, it's so nice. It's almost like Joseph's Technicolor Dream comes. Like there's very little dial. Yeah, it's it- just like. Grand musical number into grand musical number. There's a little bit of dialogue. There is, but we'll like segue into it. Oh, they're just so massive and ostentatious, and the choreography is so bad. Yeah. Oh, not good dancing. Yeah, it's everyone's accent is bizarre. It was filmed in Germany, by the way. Yeah. I know, but like Germany by way of New Zealand, by way of (laughs) South Africa, by way of Georgia. It's just 
It's bananas. <laughs> you need to watch it. Uh, yeah, it's definitely an entertaining riff tracks. Uh, Tom, you've been kind of busy this last week and yes, a half. So yes, I have. Why don't you give a shout out to where you were? So. I went out of town to New York City yes. for a week. For your birthday? Yeah, from birthday gift from me to me. Yeah. And uh, I will say it's I've been hyping this city up to no end for my entire life since I was like five years old. Yeah. And I went there and it actually lived up to the hype I put on it. Nice. So uh, now we, uh, I went up there with uh, Aaron, Ian, and Violet. Yeah. Ian and Violet being friends of the podcast and cover artists for Zombies of the World and Interior Art. Buy that some book? Of it. Some of it. Not all of it. And, a lot uh, of it. and the uh, New World PDFs. So. so, well, first of all, is we, uh, of course, we, had, like, we flew into Chicago first right when all those thunderstorms were hitting. Yeah. So our flight was canceled. Yeah. We had to stay at a Motel 6 in Chicago. Not 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 fun. No. And then the next day we fly into Boston. Yeah. Right when they're searching for that guy. Searching for the Boston uh, Johar, the the bomber who was mm-hmm. later found in the boat. So that was that Friday. That the fr- Friday. <laughs> the Thursday night he had just shot a police officer and was on the run. And mm-hmm. his brothers. So you were there during while history was being made. Yeah. And then uh, Ian picked us up and noted that the streets around the airport were empty. Yeah. Which he said. He said, it's normally, I'd have, have to be here for like 30 to 40 minutes. And we drove right out of there. Yeah. And then when we get, and he drives us to Providence, which was, was our original destination. And we get there, we find out that Amtrak is not running trains at that time, at, on that corridor, because of the guy. One guy. That is amazing. So, I mean, Ian was raging at two times. So they shut down the eastern seaboard for one guy. Yeah. Apparently. We did not let the terrorists win, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And so finally at that point, I just, we went to the Amtrak station. And I learned, like, another valuable lesson. Yeah. If, even if you're pissed off to no end, be nice to the travel people. Be nice. Be nice. Just like Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Yeah. He refunded our tickets, no problem, and we just rented a car and drove right. to New York. Those are valuable life lessons, Caleb. I don't know why you're laughing. Those are serious life lessons. I'm laughing because you're so correct. Yeah, all right, very good. Pain but, don't hurt. Anyway, but, sorry. Anyway, we just rented a car and drove to New York. All right. But once we got there, the trip went, went just beautifully. You got to see uh, the 9-11 memorial and the new, right. the new world. Well, you trip. also saw Lovecraft's grave in Providence. Yeah, actually, okay, we did do that. I, yeah, when we were in Providence that day, yeah. we went to uh, Love, H.P. Lovecraft's grave. And uh, I put a D10 on it. Yes. And that grave is decorated with some interesting things. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not the only one that thought of this. Yeah. There were, right. like, like, lobster shells of, like, their claws left left there. <laughs> or uh, miniature shark teeth. You know, like the, nice. you know, the shark jaws. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, dried-out tentacles. Wow. And, all, and lots of gaming paraphernalia. Yeah. And it was... And it's a such a it's such a modest grave. I'm like, wow, you didn't expect that, did you? No, no, he did not. So and I'll be there's all this this cemetery is first it's massive. Yeah. And second of all, is there are some just works of art, mausoleums and yeah, yeah. tombstones. And there's his. None of them was decorated as much as his was. No, of course not. Because it's Lovecraft, man. It's H.P. Fucking Lovecraft. Man. Exactly. All right. But yeah, uh, New York City. Um, Aces in my book, you, you sir are a great city. 
All right, New York, uh, New Yorkers can rest easy. Tom Church is giving you his official seal of approval. Uh, you don't have to worry about those Yelp reviews anymore. No. So call off the moon, Vance. <laughs> I will say though, I will say though, we were we were scammed at the Empire State Building. You were scammed, or yes. you were? I thought it was attempted scam. Attempted you, scam. Yeah. But uh, a guy. First of all, we were across the street on the rear of the building. Yeah. When we, you know, walking toward it, and this guy flags us over. Jay walks us across the street. Yeah. And says, you heard it for going up. All right, I can get you your tickets right here. Pulls out a very old, dilapidated-looking credit card reader. Yeah. And he said we were getting our tickets. What I did not see were tickets or a ticket printer anywhere on him. Ah, yeah. And Ian, you know, being sensible, like, well, like, can we go in and check? And says, well, you can't go in that way because there's a doorman on the inside. Says no, I'm just gonna I'll just go and yeah, he was he's told, but as soon as Ian went in, the guy's like, unfucking believable. I bet you like I bet you would have bet he would have listened to me if I was white. Whoa. He dropped the race card on us. Mm. And then hurriedly ran, like walked away. You're like, yeah. Wait, did he run or walk? It was like a it was a power walk. I, I like power walk. I, I like to imagine him. Is it a power walk? Was it a power walk? It was a power walk. All right. Did you make the Zoidberg sound as you did? <laughs> no. <laughs> So we go around to the front of the building and go yeah. inside and mention it. And he said, yeah, that guy probably works for the building. And like, Then we mentioned, well, he had a credit card reader. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're not supposed to have those out there. Yeah, that, 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 that sounds like, well, you, you, you made your sense moto check there, Tom. That was, yeah, we, do, we totally did. Right. I, but we were all like, this is a little wrong. <laughs> well, cool. But uh, just, uh, just. Awesome, tri- awesome fucking trip. Really great. Awesome. Uh, well, if you get some photos up, we'll put them on the Facebook we'll do. group. We'll do. Uh, so you guys can take a look. Tom's Odyssey to the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, and finally, well, uh, we, of course, were busy while you were gone. Uh, oh, Caleb yeah. has his uh, Western game, uh, Toward Hell and Legend, that he's working on. It's a uh, playtest. Very early draft rules. Uh, and in uh, so we yeah yeah I was a player in it and Caleb there's one particular thing my character did that you found very interesting I guess alright well the rules are broken so if you listen to it prepare for some great role playing and <laughs> setting information and just fine narratives with some terrible broken math <laughs> that we're slowly trying to fix but uh, it, we were trying out the battle rules so each of the characters mass battle rules. You know, mass battle rules. So each of the characters was leading like a unit into battle against these insane cultists. So Roz's character concept is based off of a real world Side- person I told him about yeah. that he just loved the idea. Sidewing Mock uh, Doc, who is a Chinese Tong leader from Manhattan in the early nineteen uh, tw- early twentieth century, but you know, figure yeah, it's a little twenty years too late for the Wild West, but whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, his his aesthetic was to wear chainmail yeah. to rush into the middle of the battle against gangs single handedly, <laughs> pull out huge revolvers he kept on him at all time, then duck down to the ground and just spin in a circle with his eyes closed, firing in every direction. <laughs> uh, there is historical evidence of him doing this multiple times, so he was awesome. <laughs> uh, but that's it. So like, there's this Chinese psychopath. And for some reason, these town people are like, yes, he is our leader. <laughs> and basically, everyone's been corrupted by this like insane, evil church in town, and they're coming to take the town and kill everybody in it, because the PCs have stoked them into a blood rage. And, yeah. and 
and uh, they, fair, the NPCs did that too. They have their units. So like one yeah. of the unit actions you could do is charge. And like I said, the rules are horribly broken. Yeah. But I figured like charging would get you some damage bonuses, but it would probably really hurt if you charged against other people who were charging. Um, so the damage bonus was a bit extreme. And so Ross's unit was kitted out of like people who still attended the old church. But so, they were mounted. So like women and old men mounted on horseback with You said they were adults. The too. family yeah, shotgun, yeah, yeah. yeah. And long guns. And so first round action, uh crazy psychotic Chinaman says, Come on, white people charge. <laughs> and the whole premise of the game is blind bidding your action. So I had blind bid charge and so he, it was just like the charge of the light brigade. Like <laughs> it was a bunch of old townspeople on nags and a crazy blind Chinese gunman <laughs> that ran headfirst into this armed group of psychotic. Hey, we did cults. destroy the cult. Group yes, unit. along with everyone in your unit <laughs> to a man. <laughs> so only only he was left <laughs> and then you're like I guess I'll go join David's unit you just like leave the mound of corpses you've left in the middle of the dusty road <laughs> and go like hey what are you guys doing over here <laughs> that did not go as expected <laughs> yeah took no I'm damage just, at all you're just fine paraphrase the wise men of rest development I've made a huge mistake <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I, I imagine with these terrible rules we're gonna have a lot of anecdotes yeah like that in the future uh so that's something to look forward to uh not not quite transhuman sci-fi conspiracy uh future <laughs> uh but this is uh Russ Payton with the role playing public radio this is rppr episode 86 no evil postmortem and uh tom and caleb so we'll see you guys next time